0: Hi everyone, Charlie Webster here. Thanks for joining us for a new episode of My Sporting Mind. Before I introduce today's guest, I just wanted to say thanks so much for all your support and feedback, really, because it's been great and it means a lot to us. Now, I'm really delighted to welcome England bowler Kate Cross to the podcast. Welcome, Kate. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, you know, you, you've just got back from training and I can actually see you've got your kit on. Um, how's, how's it been going?
1: Yeah, it's been weird. Um... <laughs> I I mean, I'm not the only person in the world that's finding things weird at the minute, which I'm taking a lot of, um, you know, it makes me feel a bit more comfortable that it's not just cricket, but it has just, it's just been strange. It's been getting used to what the new normal looks like for us, which... It's quite intricate in cricket because you obviously share a cricket ball. So that ball goes around the pitch. So just like getting used to the new norm of that has been has been pretty strange. But it has been amazing to be back playing. And we had a tri-series planned with India and South Africa and both of those teams pulled out at separate times. And I thought we might not have anything, which was a scary prospect. But thankfully, the ECB have managed to rally and, and get the West Indies to come over. So I'm chomping at the bit to play. Like We've not had any competitive cricket since March, so... I was going to say, how do you find that? And how do you find it
0: not having a set goal? Because it must be hard to train when you don't know what you're specifically training for.
1: Yeah, and I, the set goal thing is so interesting because we had our World Cup postponed. So we were supposed to be going over to New Zealand in February and that got moved. And the World Cup is every four years, the 50-over World Cup. And it's, so it's a bit like the Olympics. And when the Olympians you know, took to Twitter when they got the Olympics postponed... I was a bit like, why, what are you crying for? It's just another year. It's just another year of prep. And now it's happened to me. And I feel like everything just moved. Goalposts have changed. It it just feels really unsettling. So, I mean, that's why I'm not moaning now that we have got some cricket to be played because there's something now to train for, which was, was really hard in lockdown. I found that that prospect of like not knowing when the next game was quite daunting, really, because I was a bit like, what am I doing? Why am I training for cricket when there's no cricket around the corner? Yeah. I think loads of people could, can relate to that on so many
0: levels as well. It makes me think of like the marathon because a lot of people train for marathons, right? And I was training for a couple of marathons and then you're going for a run and you're like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though I love running, you're a bit like, shall I bother doing this like 12 mileer today? Um, but for you, it's obviously your job as well. How do you deal with that? Because the main thing, I think, in all of this and the common factor is the not knowing. How would you say you deal
1: or cope with not knowing? Well, that is, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but the unknown for me is one of my biggest mental health triggers. So I'm in a job where it's quite unique. Obviously a lot of sports people go through this, but You are solely judged on performance and if you're not performing, then someone who is performing could come in and take your place in that team, which doesn't happen if you work in a bank. You don't have someone waiting in the wings if you've had a bad couple of weeks or something to come in and take your job. So there's always that pressure to perform when you're playing sports. So for me, only being on a one-year contract always used to make me think well what am I doing next year you know what if I don't get a contract there's no professional cricket anywhere in the world other than if you play in for your country basically so that was a real difficult thing for me as well so the unknown for me is what really unsettles me and I don't normally think that I need to be too structured with what I'm doing but I think when it then gets taken away from you you realize how much you need that or certainly I need that structure and so that it's been a big learning curve I mean, I've gone through all of this with mental health years ago, but this was almost like a new phase of learning and how to adjust and adapt. And it, well, it was difficult, but again, I know I'm not the only person in the world going through that. So in a way that was quite not nice because I wouldn't want anyone to feel like that, but it was almost a bit more comforting knowing that you weren't the only person feeling like that.
0: Yeah, and it's a wider issue. That's that's definitely out of your control. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. And, and with that, because we are going to go back and talk about your journey with mental health, which I'm sure is still continuing. And I, I always think that about mental health. I think sometimes we say, oh, you know, <laughs> kind of over it now. And I think we all have a mental health and we'll always carry on with that, that journey. Um, do you think that you've implemented quite a lot of the stuff that you've learned and coping from back then? Because you had a couple of years out, which was like 2016 to 2018, to then help you with this now
1: yeah absolutely and I think like you said mental health if you suffer with it it doesn't just disappear like you have you have good days and bad days in what I would consider like a normal life without mental health not normal because that's the wrong word to use because uh, to be honest mental health probably is more normal than yeah. you know not going through it but yeah, I, um, I, I had to learn a what my triggers were and, you know, what caused me to feel how I was feeling and then how to have coping mechanisms for when I could feel those triggers come in. So that 2016 to 2018 period that you spoke about, I pretty much I had someone who came into my life, our psychologist who told me what I was feeling. And I was like, no, I don't get anxious. I don't, you know, I don't I knew I struggled with depression because quite obviously the symptoms were there. You know, the lack of motivation. I was sleeping all the time. I didn't want to see my friends, my family, that kind of thing but I didn't understand anxiety. I didn't think I was anxious about anything because I'm quite extroverted. And, you know, when I go into a training environment, I'm the energy. I'm the yeah. person that everyone looks to, to kind of pick the energy up. Right. Um, so that was a like brand new thing for me that this guy was telling me that I was getting really anxious, which was then I was just bottling so much up that then I got to a point where I just kind of exploded. And he used an, an analogy of like a water tank. And if you're constantly pouring water in, eventually it is going to overflow. And he said if you like just open the tap at the bottom and let a little bit out every now and then, then you know that build up of pressure doesn't happen. So yeah, I had that two years where I was really learning about myself. And I was twenty-four, twenty-five at that point. So you think you know everything then. And, you know, I've played cricket for England and I've kind of reached the pinnacle of what I wanted to do in my sport. Not I've not achieved the things that I wanted to do, but I'd, you know, made my debut and played and I've just thought I had everything mapped out and then that all happened and Then I think that's what I mean about lockdown it was almost a new experience but because I'd had those experiences prior I knew what my triggers looked like I knew how to then curb them a little bit so they didn't you know turn into anything disastrous. So what's
0: just going to the anxiety thing it's really interesting because I think I think a lot of us including myself in this basically do that we just clamp it uh, just clamp it's probably the wrong word just push it down push it down press it and press it so you were anxious but you didn't feel anxious so what what did you feel and when was that real what did that realization feel like to go oh actually I'm anxious I'm just kind of even masking it from myself
1: I think I probably did feel it but I didn't I didn't know what those feelings were so I was when I was at uni I studied psychology and that was how I knew I was struggling with depression because we started going through the symptoms and what it looks like and I was like ticking these symptoms off thinking bloody hell this is me like this textbook is talking about me and so I knew I understood that part. But then I think the anxiety stuff, I think you go through that on a daily basis, like going to a new cafe, for example, or not knowing where the toilets are in an, at an event, just little things like that create those feelings. But I didn't understand what those feelings were. I put a lot of it down to nerves when I was playing cricket. And that's that's what I mean about all that stuff having to get explained to me. So my anxiety almost caused me to to kind of I know you want to talk about perfectionism, but it, it made me want to be perfect all the time, which in a sporting environment, you just can't do it. You can't, if you're trying to learn a new skill, I wanted to perfect that skill within a day of learning it. You know, it's just it, saying that out loud now, just obviously is so implausible. It just is, yeah, it's impossible to do that. So... But at the time, for me, that was just the norm. And that was, I'm a professional cricketer. I have to be able to deliver these skills consistently, especially on television and, you know, the scrutiny that came into the women's game when we turned professional. So, yeah, it was just, it, it, I guess it all looks different for different people, I think. And that's why, you know, people always say to me, how did you deal with it? Mm. And I think everyone has their own way of dealing with it and techniques of, like, like medication and meditation and things like that work differently for different people. So, um Sorry, I go off on so many tangents when I'm talking about mental health because I just feel like there's so much to talk about. Yeah, there is. um, Yeah, I think, like I said, that anxiety just didn't... I didn't realise that that's what it was. But for everyone else, it probably was obvious.
0: Yeah, lots of people looking in from the outside. Yeah, Yeah, do you think it was? Or do you think people didn't spot it in you?
1: I think people would have seen differences because, like I said, I'm that extrovert. And when I'm anxious, I go within myself, I go quiet yeah um yeah like not not my best not the best version of myself basically and a lot of people used to put that down to me being a bit mardy or a bit grumpy or not slept well the night before and actually it's it's me assessing a situation and trying to work it out without messing it up because that was my biggest thing I just didn't want to fail I didn't want to make a mistake but then I was putting myself in a position where I couldn't make a mistake because I wasn't putting myself out there I know that sounds really cliche, but I wasn't even trying to learn new skills. So I wasn't even moving forward with my cricket. In case you failed? In case I failed, yeah. And I, I, th- I thought, I don't want to give them a, a reason to drop me. I don't want, you know, not to get selected for the next trip because I can't do this skill. So I'll just stay safe and do what I know I can do. And then everyone else moved forward and improved, and I didn't. So, you know, that break, it was such a difficult decision for me to make because I knew that there was a World Cup around the corner. So the, the World Cup I'm talking about in February that's been postponed the last one that we had was on home soil they played the final at Lord's you know it's a big deal in our game and it was just it was one of those decisions where can you get through it can you carry on with your mental health like this and just push forward and probably won't be the best version of yourself if you got there or will you just combust and I combust and just couldn't cope with it and had to take a break.
0: God, there's so many like I literally have about ten million questions. In yeah, my head. I'm sorry, that's what <laughs> no. Don't I'm just sorry. That. No, 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 no. It's not to be sorry about. It's just there's there's so many things to kind of tap into. And like you're you're right when you talk about mental health. Well, to be honest, whenever we have a conversation anyway in normal life, everybody everybody goes around their houses. I think it's the way our brains think, right? Yeah. So, um, but on that. So maybe if I take you back to, because I want to talk about the, you said um, just then, um, Oh, I know you want to talk about the perfectionist thing. The reason why I I actually, so I'll explain, I said that to you off recordings in time before we started this. For many reasons, also asking for a friend just because I'm a perfectionist. Um, But I see it in a lot of people. And I think the reason why I was intrigued to talk to you about it was because there's there's some there's various different ways it can go the way that you were talking about in the sense that you then you don't put yourself out there because then you're scared of it failing but then it means that you well you don't fail but you ultimately don't reach a potential because then you're not actually so it's yeah. counterintuitive almost with what you were saying because then you don't push yourself to then make sure you are doing what what you're doing or yeah. achieve the best but then it can also go another way where you put yourself out there all the time and then you can't deal with the the, the, the failure or the rejection maybe yeah. that that comes around it but I think also with it it creates this like horrific critic in yeah. your own head like what did you what was that voice like to yourself and what did you used to tell tell yourself what was your thinking in that
1: space I mean my voice was such an unhealthy one but I think at the time it came from a almost like a desperation to be brilliant like you play for england you're on sky sports it's live you know people are writing about it on twitter and instagram and all that and i just didn't want to give people a reason to have to talk about me negatively it wasn't even about the team at this point it was about me and my performance and i've always been my own hardest critic and i don't think that's a negative thing i think setting yourself goals and pushing yourself for goals is it's what drives you as a person so i don't think that's the negative thing i think it's when you get in the point like, I was talking about was that striving for that perfection when it's not necessary. So in training sessions, you can't be perfect all the time. You can't learn a new skill and, you know, overnight just know how to do it. It's like anything. It's like learning the language, learning to cook, whatever it might be. You can't expect to do it in such a short period of time. And I think I really struggled to see the bigger picture. Or when I did see the bigger picture, it all got a bit too much for me. So you now I was talking about my contract earlier. I was thinking I can't give myself two years to learn this skill because my contract finishes in January. So if I've not learned it by then, they're not going to pick me. So it was, it was almost like catastrophizing everything in my own head, which again, doesn't help. And I think that's what I always talk about how important it is to have like your support network around you that you really trust that you can talk to about these things. And people just seem to, if you talk out loud about these issues, people just make it make sense. Whereas when you're thinking about it in your head, you just run away with yourself and I was thinking about like five years down the line and not my next training session or whatever it might have been so yeah I think that I I just it's difficult because I think there's a really fine balance between striving for perfection in your performances but also allowing yourself that breathing space to be human half the time
0: do you think that's the thing with like high achievers especially I think you know whether it's in sport or whether it's in you know whatever your job is if you're wanting to constantly kind of achieve and then feel like no matter what you're achieving you have to then achieve to the the next
1: thing and I think it's how you set those goals so I think if you have a plan or you set a goal and you have a plan on how that goal can be obtained I think that's absolutely fine but what I was doing was was setting this goal and had no plan and didn't know how I was going to get there right because I, I think if you don't set yourself targets or want to achieve things then you're just not going to move anywhere anyway so that that's what I don't want people to listen to this and think that trying to achieve things is a bad thing it's not it's, it's about how you mentally look at that as what is the achievement so for me one of my achievements actually turned out to be my attitude towards training so it wasn't the process or the outcome of what training looked like it was just my attitude towards training so not being so hard on myself if something didn't come out that well I'm only two weeks into learning this skill so it it was almost changing my mindset rather than physically anything like that or yeah it was just more about my attitude towards things rather than the actual things if that makes sense
0: yeah it makes perfect sense and kind of having much more of a healthier voice and almost telling you that yeah, it's a new thing that you're learning and of course you're not going to be perfect on the first hour yeah. <laughs> of doing it. So then going back to uh, you know we've kind of talked a bit around it and the you know the dates the 2016 to 2018. So did you feel like a build up of of things, you know, or did it because I mean it's such a it the decision to actually take that time out and be able to recognize that you needed to just step away and get help is is massive.
1: Yeah. I think I had the decision made for me, which made it a lot easier for me to process as a person because then I felt like I wasn't letting people down. But I got to the point where I was at my back at my mum and dad's at this point. I, I was only 25, hadn't moved out. And I remember I was going down to Loughborough, which is where we train as a squad and woke up one morning just in floods of tears. And the thought of going down to Loughborough just made me want to get in bed, put the covers over my head and just never leave my room. And, you know, that's my safe environment. It was my friends that I've grown up playing cricket with. It was, you know, the whole aspiration of playing for England. I remember thinking, if this is what it makes me feel like, I don't want to do it. And it was my goal to play for England. So what had gone wrong, basically? Um, and the only reason that I got in my car to drive down, because my dad, my, I remember my dad stood in front of my car because I was, you know, when you're that puffy and, you, you know, you <laughs> can't even breathe. I was like, almost hyperventilating. I was crying that hard. Yeah and I wasn't physically in a state that I could drive safely. And he stood in front of my car and said, like, you can't go down. We need to ring your coach and let them know. And the only reason that I got in my car to go was because I was picking another girl up on the way. So that was the, you know, it was the don't let her down. I have to get her to training. So I, I kind of put me to one side to get down there. And when I did, I just went and hid in the physio room. I couldn't face any of my teammates. Um, and our physios, she's, she was an unbelievable woman who you could just talk about anything with. And, um, I've hid in her room up pretty much under the towels under the video towels and I just said I can't cope with this I got something's not right and she made me sit with the coach and he basically said you need to get away from this you need to leave the environment go on holiday just actually sleep you know try and sort yourself out basically because you're not going to be able to do it while you're feeling this anxious and mm. so I did that I went I ran away to Barbados with my dad for two weeks which was obviously it's an amazing place it's sunshine all the time which is when i'm i'm better when i'm like in the summer months yeah, um your twitter,
0: anyway. um, your twitter it said something about um happiest in, in the sunshine
1: yeah so yeah i just i did that and i uh, the biggest thing for me was i didn't know if cricket was triggering me and I had to get away from that environment to know if it, if that was the problem or if I was the problem in that environment, if if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, getting away almost made me... But I still trained when I was over there, which sounded really daft, but the girls were preparing for a trip, ironically, to the West Indies. They were they were touring there, and I'd pulled myself out of that selection with the help of the coach because he, he made the final decision for me. I didn't have to make it, which I think helped me a lot. Did he understand? Yeah, he'd worked in the men's game, and he had two or three lads that the county that he worked with who really suffered with mental health and he he just got it he just understood that you know the pressures the the anxieties everything that comes with being a professional athlete and he was pref- he played professional cricket as well so he understood it so yeah he was brilliant and my physio was great as well and, and my parents were as well to be fair like my dad just dropped everything and came away with me because I was just going to go somewhere on my own but looking back I wasn't in the mental state to do that either I needed just someone there to look after me and make sure I was eating and just little things like that. Like I, I just felt like I'd shut down. Everything had just kind of got so much that I just all I wanted to do was get in bed. But before I went away to Barbados, I'd obviously drove back home from Loughborough. And I got in bed and I remember not getting out of bed for about three days I think the only thing I did was like get out to go to the toilet and, and eat I didn't even shower in that time because I just didn't I couldn't face the world and I it sounds so dramatic
0: no um, I, don't, I really do it, it really doesn't
1: honestly I mean if you've been in that mental, place, mental health does yeah yeah you, you know how debilitating it is and yeah you're just not thinking like yourself and all your thought processes just go out the window I remember my dad came in probably on like day two of this meltdown that I was having and he just opened my blinds just to get some air in and light and as soon as he left I shut them again and got back in bed and slept and then I remember on the third day I was like no you can't live like this you know get out get some fresh air do some exercise and then a couple of days later that's when I got on the plane and went away so it it was it, it was definitely a build-up for it all to come crashing down but Again, I think being in that environment didn't help because it was a constant, oh, if I tell them, will they think that I'm not prepared to play cricket? Am I not going to perform if I play cricket? And I didn't want to give them that excuse to help me. So
0: it's just it almost like to... fueled. I was going to say it almost fueled what you were telling yourself anyway. Yeah, if exactly. you told them then you might get dropped, which is what you didn't want anyway, because you wanted to be the best and stay in that contract and yeah. stay in the team.
1: Yeah, so it was just so unhealthy and just so it was just you couldn't. I couldn't have carried that on any longer because, like I said, I thought if I if I do pull out of this the trip to the West Indies, does that then mean that I'm not going to get selected for the World Cup next year? Which is you know playing a World Cup on home soil is just the dream. And I eventually didn't play in that. I wasn't selected. But I think now, obviously I'm gutted. I missed it, but I'm still alive. It's not the end of the world. There's cricket to be played. You know, There's bigger things going on in the world. So, you know, I think at the time it was the be all and end all, whereas now having gone through it and missed out on it, I've realised that, you know, there's bigger things going on. So before
0: that before that happened and before you made that decision to take the break, how did it manifest itself in like physical feelings as well and were you actually playing cricket on the pitch and feeling like that when you were playing competitive sport
1: yeah so weirdly my performance was fine I was actually I was bowling well I was taking wickets so that bit was fine but physically it it, it was needing to sleep all the time cancelling on my friends at the last minute you know not being able to face going or waste not wasting energy because it's not wasted energy when you're spending time with your friends but I just right at the last minute I was, oh I can't come I can't do it so I was kind of burning a few bridges as well outside of my cricket, which is not healthy. And it was a lack of motivation. So being in a job where you have to stay fit and healthy, someone telling you to go do this running session, whatever it might have been, I would leave it until like 9pm at night. And instead of just getting up, getting it done, have the day to yourself, I was just, oh, I'll, I'll leave it another 15 minutes, right, another hour. I can't go at an odd number so I have to go at any you know just little things like that I was just playing mind games with myself and then not ending up training until later on at night and I thought again if this is what your athlete's mentality is meant to look like then I'm doing it wrong because it's um, it's not meant to be this painful or Mm -hmm. hard to go and just do what you should be doing on a daily basis so like I said my cricket was actually okay but it was more the field inside of it for me so it was I I was kind of going into my shell with the in I wasn't just little sort of things like I wasn't attacking the ball. I was being really safe, making sure that I didn't make a mistake. Again, going back to that failure mm-hmm. thing, because um, I didn't want people to judge me for you know for parts of my game that, when I think about it now, they're not. Again, it's just not the be all and end all. It, it's so crazy how your mind can talk you into something that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's what mental
0: health yeah does, though, doesn't it? It can convince you that you're a failure you're not good enough nobody's gonna love you it can convince you of all these different things and then when you um what was the kind of process of you then starting to recognize these things you know like when you look back now
1: so I had to have a lot of difficult conversations so the f- I mean the first one to have was the one I had with the coach saying I'm not coping and that almost I just felt like I'd kind of like lifted a weight off my shoulders when that happened because right i've got i've at least got two weeks now to sort myself out to get away just be kate not be the cricketer kate cross and then i had a lot of so the psychologist i worked with was um a guy called mike and he came and did loads of stuff with me like on a one-to-one basis talking about why my anxieties had started and that, that those were the conversations i meant when i spoke earlier about he was telling me things that i just didn't think existed in my life you know he's saying little things like my, my dad was a professional footballer so yeah. he said people knew who you were before you stepped out onto a cricket pitch because you were dave Cross's daughter who was Is that dad. how you were labeled then yeah always dave even so much so when i made my debut the england program said so it said like kate cross date of birth right arm bowler david Cross's daughter first made her appearance for lanky and it <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, Even on I, didn't the progress. But I didn't think anything of that I just, oh, you didn't. That was just the norm for me right okay. and then when I played cricket at my cricket club my brother is a really good opening batter and he scored he's you know the record scorer for Haywood so when I played cricket there I was Bobby's little sister it wasn't me in my own right making a name for myself so he was telling me these things and I was no Mike I don't honestly I don't think like that I've, I've that's never bothered me if anything I love the challenge of people knowing who I am and he said no I'm not saying that you know you did think about this as a child however it will have affected your thought processes now so then suddenly when I make my debut for England people are talking about my dad before they're talking about me I've not made I've not given people a reason to talk about me yet so there's the pressure of that then so you know it's just little things that I had to unravel that I didn't realize were going on and it was conversations I had to have in front of my mum and dad as well and you know i had to tell them how much pressure i felt when they came to watch me play because it wasn't often that they i actually i played a lot away i'd played a lot in the winter months and played abroad and my mum was working my dad was working so they'd not been able to come out and watch so then when we played at home i felt so much pressure all oh, right mum and dad are here i have to do well because they're here and i had you know i had to say that in front of them and it's quite quite confronting really oh yeah And then, you don't want them to feel bad about it of course not yeah, yeah. They, you know they were the ones that drove me up and down the country and I didn't want to feel like I was letting them down at any point and it, it just took for like I think my dad said Kate we couldn't couldn't give a monkeys if you did well when you're on the pitch or not you're out there with the three lions on your shirt you know you've made us proud by getting to where you've, you've got it doesn't matter how well you do obviously we'd love it if you did well but if we if you didn't do well, you're still our daughter. We still loved you. So it was, you know, really confronting conversations with my parents and my family members as well. And then it was just kind of a case of getting reintegrated back into the squad. And Robo was the, the coach who had initially told me that he was the guy that I'd had the initial conversation with. And he opened up this vulnerability within the group and spoke about, you know, how your vulnerability doesn't make you any weaker person or or anything. It, it makes you human and actually, if we understand each other's vulnerabilities more, then we're going to be a better team because now people understand that when I'm I'm a bit quiet and moody or look moody, I'm not. Maybe I'm a bit anxious. Right. Why is Kate anxious? Right. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to ask her if she's OK. And it it kind of changed everyone's mindsets on how we viewed each other. and it was really powerful actually and probably one of the reasons why the girls eventually did go on to win the world cup because we'd had so many tough conversations and I think as well it just again it was nice not nice to know that someone else was going through it but you realised you weren't on your own that everyone had these anxieties and everyone felt like they didn't want to make mistakes on the cricket pitch so suddenly you've got 11 girls who feel the same as you and you're not an anomaly anymore
0: and that's almost the point of this podcast anyway because I think it does, do you feel, I feel like it makes a massive difference when you go, oh, you know, that, that person feels like me. I think every time I've interviewed anybody around mental health, I've been like, yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, I'm like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, and and I think it, it, it like you said, it's around that vulnerability thing. It, it's funny how we see that as such a, I don't, but as a society, I think we still feel, see that as, a, oh no, you can't, you can't be vulnerable. You can't. Say so you oh, yeah. that you're struggling and, and things like that. I think it is when you hear conversations like this that it helps people. How much yeah. of a difference do you think about it? I know you said you feel like that's why you ended up doing so incredibly well. Um, but, you know, how do you think it made everyone feel, the fact that people did have a conversation and looked almost beyond the behaviours?
1: Yeah, it just it just normalised it because we I mean we were in a phase where we tur- were well, we turned professional in 2014, so we had this quite weird phase where a group of girls who had cricket as a hobby turned into a job. We got increased criticism, scrutiny, media coverage, all that kind of stuff came with becoming professional, and we should be winning all our games now because you're getting paid to play. That doesn't happen like that. You're still the same cricketer you were yesterday when you weren't a professional, but just because you had that title now, it just meant. I honestly think everyone kind of went through what I went through as well and everyone dealt with it differently but it just completely normalized people's feelings and you can be an athlete in that environment but again you're also a human and human comes first and humans are ruled on emotion so you're always going to be emotional you know before anything else so it just yeah it just made it completely normal for us all which obviously then helped us become a close-knit group as well and I think being human and being emotional
0: is what makes you amazing as well. And I think, imagine if it was just a load of robots, you know, because yeah. it's not just the physical. it's very, the physicality is part of it, but then it's the mind that makes you get across, right? And makes you win the World Cup or win the Ashes. You know, when um, you said something about, uh, about triggers, right? And I think this is, again, something that a lot of people talk about. You said you wanted to work out whether cricket was a trigger for you or, or not. Um, you went through that process of two years and then you obviously went back into cricket which is incredible so did you work out that cricket actually wasn't your trigger or was it the fact that you then had to learn how to deal with being a professional sportswoman
1: yeah I mean it was a bit of both I think there's parts of cricket that did trigger me but mostly it was my mindset and how that was unhealthy as an athlete so yeah, it was a bit of both. But I remember one of the first things the psych said to me. He said, "Do you see yourself as Kate Cross, who is good at cricketer, uh, who is good at cricket? Sorry, or do you see yourself as Kate Cross, the cricketer?" So I said, "Well, I'm Kate Cross, the cricketer. Like all my friends know me as the sporty one. When I go out, I'm the one that can't drink because I've got training the next day. And then I realised how through no one's fault really, but in that friendship group, that just so happened to be. You know, that was." I couldn't really I had to sacrifice a bit more maybe because of the job that I had and he just said right that's the first thing we've got to change you are Kate Cross who is good at cricket you don't see me as Mike the psychologist you see me as Mike who is here to help me with psychology you know I don't go home and psychoanalyze my children and things so it it was just kind of changing my mindset so I think like it was a bit of both but it was mostly me not dealing with the environment and yeah it's really interesting point actually and how we actually
0: identify ourselves that's one of the things that came up in the psychology work I've done is that actually you are it's about making sure you're your own person and then everything else you do around it doesn't necessarily define your entire identity almost
1: yeah Um, so he, he was actually like how do you want to be seen and I was like well I want to be seen as someone who's fun to be around who's caring who you know whatever else it was he said right well that's that's you outside of cricket so make sure that that's you in cricket as well so don't change who you are just because of your environment
0: Mm. that's really interesting and I also wanted to ask you about you know you're talking a lot about the your old coach and how much of a role he played what about your new coach that's coming as well because I know she came in in 2019 I think October time and especially because she's Australian Lisa Kiley like she's uh, we have actually spoke to a few Australian athletes, and I think it's really interesting about the difference in how much they see sports psychology or mental health as just a normal part of sport. It's not something that's kind of seen on the side. Is, have you found a difference in that sense?
1: Yeah, she, I mean, she is, she's brilliant. I mean, she's so laid back and so calm about a lot of situations. A perfect example is we did these individual player performance forms before we well it was during lockdown actually and normally it's batting bowling fielding fitness diet and nutrition and then that's it and then at the bottom she was like personal work ons and you had to fill out what you were doing in your personal life so obviously not like nothing too but, but like for me I've just I've started a masters in september and I like doing commentary and media work and she wanted she wanted to know what we were doing and how she could help us get better outside of cricket as well. So immediately the emphasis isn't purely on cricket, it's about how to get better as a person. She wants us to be good people who are good at cricket, who happen to have a common goal of playing for England, like almost first and foremost before the cricket stuff, because she, she's she got this big belief that if you're happy in your outside, outside sport life, then generally you're going to be happy inside sport as well, which I think is so true because... When you've got your ducks in a row outside cricket, then it you know you come to training happy and relaxed and, and ready to to get better. Yeah. What are you doing your masters in? Sports di- oh. directorship. Oh I keep, right. I keep it's... saying dictatorship and it's really <laughs> not dictatorship.
0: <laughs> Don't say that at the moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I won't get a job anywhere.
0: <laughs> Don't get involved in the politics side of things. Oh I mean, that, I mean that's great. So I was gonna say what's you know what's your kind of goals moving forward. Um, now so you're going to do your master's in sports, yeah.
1: di- sports
0: directorship,
1: directorship. <laughs> so I've got that and I think more than anything it'll keep that'll keep me busy um, but, Is uh, but I mean, important thing for you yeah I think so because I, I mean I love the commentary side and I love the media work but I know that that's also a very similar lifestyle to what I've got at the minute you know living out of a suitcase yeah. <laughs> they hopping, that kind of thing so I kind of think in more long long term about settling down maybe like working at length or doing something around the home that would just make life a little bit easier because you're actually settled in one place but cricket wise it's so up in the air still so I'm just trying to take that like almost weekly at the minute and just right I need to be here on this day and just got to kind of take it as it comes yeah and you know we're having this conversation how does it make you feel
0: like I bet there's been different because I know you've done a few interviews actually really quite soon on when you came back into cricket how does it make you feel? feel looking back you know when we're having this conversation how much do you feel like you've learned about yourself
1: I've always maintained that talking is just the the best thing that is the best medication for me because immediately like I said having someone who can just work a problem out with you it just makes it so much easier so I've seen how helpful it is when other people talk even now it makes me process how I feel and how I think and whether that's right or wrong or needs work-ons or doesn't need work-ons, I've not got it all figured out, but I understand myself so much more than I did five years ago. So that's only a positive thing. And if selfishly that means doing more of these podcasts and talking more about it, then, you know, it's only a positive. I'm sure you just said selfish. I mean, there's nothing selfish (laughs) about it. Like you're
0: giving so much of of yourself and sharing. And before you go, work-ons, you've said that a few times, describe more and give us some like thoughts about work-ons
1: and how maybe we could implement that um i think work-ons is it stops me looking at the things that i'm not very good at negatively so instead of saying i can't do this actually if you work on something then you know it's not that you can't do it it might just be that you can't do it to the best of your ability yet so i think i use work-ons a lot so that it stops me using like negative language um limitation so instead of saying that i've got a limitation i'd just say i've got something to work on and, yeah, I mean, that's in that's in everything. It's in cricket, it's in life, it's in sleeping patterns, food you eat, it's in, you know, it's everything. So did you ask me what my work-ons are? Because I'll be No,
0: I want, you what? don't have to give me that unless you really want to. I wanted to know what – because I'm going to write it down because I think that's a really good phrase to think about. I, I just meant
1: it as in, like, good advice for people. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, I
0: think that, that myself. I like that work-ons.
1: Yeah, I think it. it's just – it's a way to spin a negative situation, really. Not yeah. even a negative situation, but just – again it goes back to that perfectionism
0: yeah right? saying I'm not very good at this I can't do yeah. that or I'm not capable of that or I always fail in yeah. that and kind of those critical things
1: yeah and I think That's weakness is, of, is often used a lot in sports so someone's when we talk about opposition we always talk about right what are their weaknesses to them their weaknesses they their work on and what my weakness is maybe with my batting is actually what I'm working on really hard in training mm-hmm. so I think it yeah it's just a, a kind of more positive way of looking at yeah and ne- a negative
0: Yeah. I think semantics are so important on how we describe things like when I don't like it, when I've heard people say, oh, you know, that's a weakness. And it's like, what, you know, what even does that mean? I'm not talking about in sport, I'm talking in in life or around mental health. So on that final note, what, I know you've, you've given so much, there's so many takeaways from this, but what advice would you maybe give people or some of the strategies that's worked for you? I mean, we've, you know, you said about how important it is to, to have a conversation and, you know i think throughout this and throughout our conversation it's like once you do have those conversations it made a real difference in your life and then also the work on <laughs> i think is great and also changing the conversation in your head yeah um, so it wasn't kind of constantly having a go at you
1: yeah i mean my first and like the first bit of advice to give anyone is just talk just open up to it someone that, it's got to be someone you trust because if you tell someone and they just fob it off or Oh, you'll be fine, that kind of thing, then it can knock you back quite... It can knock you confidence, I think. So I think you've got to talk to someone that you trust. For me, I did meditation. I downloaded Headspace and did that for pretty much three months every day. It's just 10 minutes a day. It's nothing out of your day. And I found that really useful because I, I wasn't very good at getting in my own head. I didn't understand it that much. So you know, just doing 10 minutes where it's you and your thoughts, I found that really powerful. And then my other one was exercise. I just... If I'm having a bad day, just getting out and doing something, whether it's walking the dog, going for a run, if you can muster it. But it's so so hard when you've got that lack of motivation to force yourself out to do something. Yeah. But it's then the rewards are just so yeah, they are. so good and so much so much benefit there that yeah I just I just think anything can help. How do you muster? How did you muster up that? You know,
0: because you're right. I think it's a really it's really important what you said because i think it's easy for us to give people to give advice and be like you know go and exercise but then it's not necessarily the exercise it is it it's that initial before yeah. bit that that's, where it's like,
1: that's the hardest bit yeah like, it's like putting your gym clothes on that's the yeah. hard actually going to the gym but once you put yeah. your gym clothes on then you, you're there you've done it you've done the hard bit um but i, I mean i have just give three things but i think the fourth one would be routines like having routines so how i was saying it took me till nine o'clock to do my training I then gave myself a deadline right? you have to have things done by 11 in the morning and it was just being it's you've got to be strict with yourself because ultimately there's only you that can help yourself there's everyone can give you advice everyone can talk to you everyone can be that ear for you but at the end of the day if you don't want to get better then you're not going to so I had to have that word with myself and I think you have that when you're at absolute rock bottom because Like I said, I had that three days where I was in bed. I'd not showered. Just basic human, like, oh, it was just disgusting. And the food that I was eating as well was horrendous. And I felt horrible. And I thought, it's just such a vicious cycle that you're not helping yourself. So I had that really strict word with myself that, right, tomorrow you're going to get up, you're going to have a good breakfast, and then you're going to go to the gym. And that's all I had to do that day. Everything else could have been a shambles. But, right, I've ticked two things off that I said I was going to do, which is really important. Um, and it's baby steps and sometimes you have good days sometimes you have bad days but I think for me it's making sure that your bad days don't then turn into bad weeks or bad months and trying to get back into your good routines and good habits sooner rather than later because it manifests itself and it's so easy to sit in bed and fester and be disgusting and you just kind of settle for it I think so yeah I think you've got you've just got to be really strict with yourself and know that you will feel better by doing those things as hard as they are to do yeah, and it's that complete vicious cycle, isn't
0: it? And yeah. I think even with mental health, there has to be an element of accountability because you can, there's all these things, but unless you go, right, yeah, <laughs> I deserve better than this yeah. for my life. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been amazing talking to you. I no. feel like I've got more things I could just keep... Pre- I'm like, so what do you think about this? <laughs> thank you and good luck. And, well, I can't wait to watch you competitively play thank you Um, and thanks to sporting mind charity for their support you can check out charities such as mind and the samaritans kate's main message talk um we know it's not easy but do talk it does make a difference and we'd also love your feedback a review or any social posts would be great thanks again for listening and chat again soon